0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. It's really good to see all of you here today. And what a privilege it was to, to baptize someone today. That's awesome. And uh, if you have not followed the Lord in baptism yet in your life, we'd love to talk to you about that, help you understand what it's all about, so that you can make a good decision between you and the Lord. Well, how many of you, if you're reading a book, it's like fiction, you're reading a story, and it really starts to get kinda tense, and you don't know what's gonna happen, how many of you will flip to the back of the book to see if this guy's still alive? How many of you do that? (laughs) That's sick. <laughs> I can't do that, but I, I want to know. I, I, haven't, I just can't bring myself to do that because I think I'm going to miss something. It seems like the rest of the story wouldn't matter, you know. Um, I'm the kind of same way, you know, if, it, if I'm at a concert, and I, I don't mean like a band concert, mean like a choir concert or a, a play, I like to have the program so I can see. and everything It's dark, but I'll try to see where we at because I want to know, you know where we at, what's coming. Um, would you like to know what's coming next in your life? You aren't sure, are you? <laughs> and, and really, we don't you usually get to do that. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring forth, do we? We don't know what's coming next in that way. But God has revealed to us what's coming next as far as his plans in eternity. He has revealed those things to us. And, and the next big thing that's got to happen, and God knows all the stuff that's going to happen between now and then, but the, be- next, best, the next big thing that's going to happen for us is that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back. Do you guys remember... Um, when we talked a few weeks, go ahead and advance that slide if you would, Mitchell. So if it, we talked about uh, God's prophecies of the first coming of Jesus, you remember that? We talked about that from the very beginning from the creation and, and walked that across and the fact that Jesus did come and he did rise from the dead as he said. And, and that took like, that was about 4,000 years roughly and God kept every one of those promises. And he's promised that Jesus is returning. So is Jesus returning? He is, that's right. We don't know when it is. As far as we know, there's nothing that needs to happen before he does come. I mean, on the prophetic line, maybe there is, but we don't know, it doesn't seem like there is, seems like he could come at any point, which that means he could come in the next 10 seconds. He didn't, but he could have, couldn't he? He could have surprised me and come at nine, <laughs> right? Um, we don't know, and, and we're, but we're told to live as though he could be coming today. He could come before we're done here today. We don't know, but we know that this is what's coming next, and he's coming to take us out of this world. Are there times that you would be glad to be out of this world? Sure, there are, there are lots of things in this world that are hard. There's things that are good and we enjoy and blessings of God, but there are also times and places you say, oh, man, it would be nice to go and be with the Lord. And not only is he taking us out of this world, but he's bringing us to heaven to be with him, okay? And it says that we will be with him from now on there. And I think that we probably don't really have a clue what that is going to be like, um, If we did, I think we'd wanted a whole lot more, okay? We wouldn't get us caught up and the things of this life as we do and as bothered by them. So what we want to do today is focus on this idea of what is next, what is coming for us. Uh, because the Apostle Paul and Titus told us that we ought to look forward with hope to that wonderful day. We ought to be looking forward to this. It's something that, that we ought to anticipate. And, and it's also, uh, it's in another passage where Paul talks about it in 1 Thessalonians, he says, comfort one another with these words about his return for us. It ought to be something that can comfort us. Uh, Have you ever find yourself in that place in life where you say, I don't even get this. What is the point? I'm not sure what is it gonna matter if I continue to work at this or try or not, right? Somehow, wait, Jesus is coming and he's gonna set all this right so I can go on. And we can comfort one another with these words. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Hang in there. It'll be worth it. So let's take our Bibles today and let's let's walk through and look at see what is next. Take your Bible and turn to the very last book in the back, the Book of Revelation. Uh, We're going to cover the whole book today, (laughs) sort of. Revelation is a, a really interesting book. It, it tells us so many awesome things, but there's a lot of symbolism in Revelation. It, it takes a lot of digging to try to understand it, and the reality is is some of it we're not going to understand, but we can still get the main ideas and the main point in what God is wanting to accomplish uh, and for us to know through this. And, and to be honest with you, some of this, based on my understanding of how God is doing things and what is going to happen, really a lot of this is not something we're going to experience. And so therefore it's the people who are in the middle of experiencing, I think where this book is all of a sudden gonna come to life for them, okay? And we'll, we'll talk more in a little while about who will be experiencing and who won't. So Revelation chapter four, that's page 1410 in the Bible that's under the chairs there. And We'd encourage if you don't have a Bible to follow along with it, you, you grab one of those and follow along. So the book of Revelation is, is set up, in, uh, divided in three ways and it, it tells, uh, John tells us in the book and Jesus tells John what he's gonna be writing. there's things that have already happened that John has already seen and experienced and then uh, there's things that are now. He describes that and then there are things which are to come. That's the division in the book of Revelation. Chapter one, there's things that John has already seen and experienced, and and he, he tells us that. And then chapters two and three apply to what is now going on, called the church age. It describes what's going on in Christendom around the world, not all, you know, not everything that calls itself Christian is. And so we, book of Revelation chapters three, two and three even give us that information, okay? And then we get to chapter four, which is where we're gonna start today. This is what is still to come. This is what could happen in the next few seconds or the next 2,000 years, I don't know, okay? But John says this, this is, of course this is his vision. He says, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and then he continues. Now, I think that what John is writing here, what John experienced is sort of a foreshadowing of this future event, and I'll show you what I mean. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul talking about this event says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, okay? So it's, referred, it's it sounds very similar, doesn't it, right? The trumpet and the change. And, and uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter four, it says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. So it sounds very similar, doesn't it, okay? And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, okay? So we see here in Revelation the same ideas. And so like I said, I think what John was experiencing was uh, very much a foreshadowing of what's going on or what's going to happen. Next, by the way, we call this event the rapture, okay? Uh, That word rapture means to be caught up, okay? And so that is, is why that term is there. That term is not in the Bible the word rapture, but the word rapture is a description of what the Bible's saying when it says that we will be caught up, okay? Because that's what that word means. Um, So we see a few things that that are are consistent through all these passages. One is a trumpet and a voice, that you're gonna have this trumpet call. um, In, throughout history, um, and I don't know if they still do it on the battlefields now today or not. My guess is not so much in modern warfare. But there was the use of the bugle for the calls and different calls meant different things. It could be to retreat or to advance. And there was one call that was called rally on the chief. And what that meant is whoever the commander was on the field, the commanding general, that when that trumpet call went out, that the troops were to rally to the chief. And and when I thought about this, that kind of gave me some chills, I thought about that. Because here we are, we're God's people spread all over the world, aren't we? We are all over the world. We are his troops, so to speak, in this world, right? Someday the trumpet's gonna blow and it's gonna say, rally on the chief. And we are gonna all rally with him, go to be with him. And I think that's an awesome picture. Now, what's the voice? I don't know. Come up here. Is it this voice sounds like a trumpet? Or is it a trumpet? I don't know. But it's, it'll be really clear to us at the moment. There won't be a one of us who know the Lord will go, what's that? we will know what it is, okay? So there's a trumpet, we, we get that. There's an immediate transformation of us from our mortal, uh, corruptible bodies, as it talks about, um, let's, let's look in 1 Corinthians 15 there, again, in the next passage there. You know, the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So this idea of being corruptible, when the Bible uses this word, it could refer to things like uh, rust, corrupting something. Anybody have a corrupted car? (laughs) right. Uh, it can mean the idea of wearing out and breaking down or of, uh, you know, um, being eaten by moths. Or it, it refers to those kinds of things. Has anybody noticed that the, the longer you live, the more corruptible your body feels? <laughs> right? And that's what he's talking about. That's, our bodies are subject. We have been injured by sin and and so this is all happening so corruptible he says that at this moment we will be changed and this body that is now corruptible will no longer be corruptible be incorruptible sin won't affect it anymore I mean there won't be any of this I don't know what that's going to be like and I don't know if fat will be beautiful then or if it will be skinny I don't know but it won't be any corruption anymore that's for sure And this body, if I live long enough, I'm gonna stop living. Same thing for all of you. I'm a prophet today. If you live long enough, you'll die, okay? (laughs) That's where our bodies are heading. But once this happens, boom, no more. No more death. We will never die. We will live with him with bodies. I mean, because if you think, right now I gotta tell you, if I thought I'm gonna live forever with the Lord like this, I'm kinda like, yeah, that's kinda mixed feelings but no, we're gonna live forever with the Lord changed. Incorruptible. So, the trumpet and a voice, an immediate transformation from this, and there's an immediate awareness of the Lord's presence. First uh, Thessalonians 4, we're caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord, right? To meet the Lord in the air. Here in chapter four, verse number two, John says, immediately I was in the spirit, that's like that transformation, and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. What does he first see? the Lord Himself. This immediate awareness of the Lord's presence, and this will be on a whole different level that we will be with Him. Can you experience the Lord's presence here and now? Can you? Yes, you can. But experiencing His presence now will be nothing like it will be then because now there are all sorts of barriers, all sorts of obstacles, all sorts of things that are in the way, and those things will be removed. And then we will be in a new dimension, a a totally new realm, one we have never experienced before. And this is what John is seeing here. And he's gonna describe that, I'm gonna talk about that in just a minute. But I think what's gonna happen is that there, there's a theological term that I think will become very real to us at this point in our experience as we are all of a sudden with the Lord and everything has changed and there's no more obstacles and, and this theological word is wow. <laughs> wow, like I didn't know it was gonna be like this. I never got that before. Wow, I mean it's just wow, wow, wow. Now if that's not in your vocabulary, it will be then. Um, so you're gonna learn a new word. And and, because the reality is this, Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Now, let me just give you some things to think about. Just, uh, you know, every now and then someone says, you know, well, you need to preach on some deeper stuff. Well, to be honest with you, the basic stuff is really deep. But here's something deep for you to think about. Then it hit me as I, I, I pondered this verse this week. For now we see in a mirror dimly. If you look in a mirror, what do you see? <laughs> Come on, this is not a trick question. You see yourself, don't you? So we look now, that means that, it, and it's dim because everything I look at in the world is, I can only see it from my perspective. True? I can only see it with the knowledge that I have. I can only see it from how, you know, and we interpret life that way, don't we? Well, if I was doing that, we don't necessarily think. but if I was doing that, it'd be because, and, and we interpret all that, and so we, we, have a, we don't have a clear perspective of everything. It is always clouded by us. Somehow, at this point in eternity, we will be able to see clearly and not have it be just limited with our own perspectives. That's going to be wild, isn't it? And what's the theological term? Wow. That will be a new thing to us. We will never have experienced that before. And so a lot of these wow things here that uh, John is looking at. I'm not going to read them for you, but uh, he's here in chapter four, you know, three down through verse six, he sees this this amazing colors and light and, and sounds, all this kind of stuff. And and, um, and then he also experiences the gravity of what's going on. There's these 24 elders and they're seated and, and they're gonna throw their crowns and wow, wow, <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, and then he's gonna have this uh, not him, we, we are gonna have this experience experience of the holiness of god like we never got it before okay we're going to see that and then the worthiness of god the worthiness i mean we know now he's worthy to be worshiped we know he's worship uh, worthy to be obeyed but yet we don't always worship him we don't always obey him do we but we're going to see there that man he is worthy Of that. And then we're going to see with what Jesus is doing here when this is happening that, wow, he is, I like that word, don't I, today? Wow, because I feel like wow when I read this, okay? That, um, Jesus, is all that he has been doing, all that he is doing, all that he's going to do, it's it's much more intertwined with everything than we have realized, and then we're going to see what God has done, the hugeness of it, as people from all over the world, every tribe and tongue and uh, all peoples, praising him there in heaven for what he has done, okay? So this is the kind of thing we're going to experience at that time, we'll be worshiping the Lord with these people. and already started on earth from the moment we left. Judgment. God's judgment on the earth. Because he's going to take out of the world every person who has come to believe in Jesus, who has trusted Christ as Savior. From all of the world, those people will be taken out of the world. And so at that one moment, there will be no believers in the world. Now, we're gonna see that there will become believers after, but God begins a judgment upon the earth that has rejected Him. And it starts off with um, a conqueror who conquers the world, and and then there are wars, it says, and and then there is a, a famine and scarcity, and then there is death, and all these things going on that the world won't necessarily think is God. It's just stuff that's happening yet in the middle of all this that there will be people who who somehow some way come to understand we missed it you know we need to look into who was this jesus that all these people who left <laughs> believed in, and people will come to Christ. The Bible also tells us that God will cause many of the Jewish people to come to understand that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, that he was their Messiah, he did die for their sins and rise again from the dead, and they will preach this in the world, and so the Bible tells us that many will be saved, but then it also um, tells us that many who come to Christ will be put to death because they have come to Christ they will be persecuted and killed. And so John has a vision where he asks, well, who are these people that I am seeing? These people who are, uh, they, I guess it says they're under the altar, but they're, they're there in white and they're waiting, and he asks the question and in Revelation 7, the answer comes, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Those who receive Christ in the Great Tribulation and then were put to death for their faith, all right? So during this time when we are in heaven, uh, there's a seven-year period on earth, uh, which is often called the Tribulation or the Great Tribulation, and there are 21 judgments that God brings to bear on the earth in this time. In the first 10 or so, like I said earlier, I think people don't necessarily directly attribute it to God because it's just bad stuff that seems to happen. But after that, it becomes very clear. We turn and there's a very much a spiritual dynamic to this judgment. Uh, there is a spiritual warfare that's going on, starts to become very evident. And I really think about this point in time that, that people on earth are gonna make their final decisions as to whether they are gonna submit themselves to God or not and believe and receive Christ. And, and uh, Pretty much everybody who hangs in after that probably doesn't know the Lord, okay? And these judgments become very much worse until finally down toward the very end there are like seven that just hit like this, one after the other, terrible judgments. And it says, you know, but they refused to repent and they still stood against God. It describes all this. And finally down to the end we come and, um, well, let's don't look at that yet, let's wait. So while all this is going on on earth, what's up with us? What are we we doing? What's going on with us? Well, we already saw a part of it, and we didn't read it all, but we're there in the throne room with God in that worship. But then the Bible tells us this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. It is during this time that those of us who have believed in Jesus, received him, by faith received him as Savior, sin's forgiven, we've received eternal life, we are there with him, that we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, what is this talking about? Well, this word, judgment seat, um, is the Greek word bema. We typically, as, as Americans typically say bema. You may have heard the bema seat. And what this was is when the Greeks had their athletic contests, there was the, this beam of seat, and this is where the awards were given, rewards for the, the competition. And so the athletes would come before it and receive their rewards, okay? Well, he says that Jesus is going to be the one who is going to reward. He's gonna be the judge that's there, and we will all stand at this judgment, and, and uh, our lives will be judged with him. Now, uh, let's be real clear. This judgment is not a judgment of whether you're making it to heaven or not. This judgment is not about, oh, you messed up and there's a penalty. Jesus already paid the penalty, right? This is a judgment for reward. It's an evaluation of how you lived your life and what rewards come as a result of this. So let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter three, and that is page 1312. page 1312 in the Bible that's there in the chairs. And I believe that this is a a description of the kind of thing that's gonna go on at the judgment seat of Christ. So let's start in verse number 10. Paul says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. He says, but here's where we want to start thinking about the judgment seat of Christ. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so that moment that we come to receive Christ, Jesus Christ becomes the foundation for everything else in our lives. And then we build our lives upon that. And he says, be careful how you build on that because we're gonna face the judgment seat of Christ. So let's look at this. Verse 12, he says, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, the day. Now in my Bible that's capitalized and that's a, a translator's determination, but he's referring to this day when we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire, uh, saved as by fire. He'll make it, but not because of how he's lived for sure, which none of us ever make it because of how we live but you could suffer the loss of all, everything, and still make it to heaven, okay? Now, when I just said that, don't think, okay, well what's the big deal then, right? Live how you want, you're making it to heaven, don't worry about it. Oh no, I guarantee you that at this point in time in your existence before the Lord, the only thing that will matter to you is you would say, I wish I had lived differently. And so here's how this judgment works. And, and this uses a picture of our life being described as gold, silver, precious stones, or a different kind of thing, wood, hay, straw. And they are, will all be put in the fire. And what happens to gold, silver, and precious stones in the fire? If anything, is purified, okay? They don't disappear. What happens to wood, hay, and straw when you put it in the fire? Burned up, gone, Okay. And so, it's, he says our lives are like this. Christ will take everything in our lives and put it into this fire. And it will be revealed what it was about. And we will look at this with the Lord. I think that we will look at these things with the Lord and examine them and we'll see. Okay, there was this time when, when um, I knew that, I, I, uh, that you need to receive Jesus Savior. And I had a friend or a relative who hadn't done that. And, and so I knew, I believed that they needed to hear the gospel. And I set my heart on that. I said, oh, Lord, I want to share my faith with this person. I want this person to come to know you. Will you give me the opportunity to speak this? Will you help me to speak it clearly to them? And, 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 so you did, and then your actions, you actually did that, Okay. And, and what was the fruit of that? Well, this person, maybe they came to faith, you led them to Christ yourself, or maybe they came to the church and got saved, or maybe they didn't get saved and you lost track of them and you don't know. You don't know what happened with them, what God did with that. Maybe they got saved somewhere else or maybe they did, but it doesn't matter. You were faithful. This is gold, see? This is silver, precious stones. What about that time when you said, you know, I, yeah, I know that they, they need to be saved, but man, I'm just, I can't afford to lose my reputation or I can't lose this relationship and and so your heart is set on protecting yourself instead of caring about that other people and so you don't work to share your faith and you know, this person can say or doesn't, we don't know but the point is there's no good fruit from what you've done. Wood, hay, straw, gone. And we, every part of your life, you know, when you decide what you're going to do with your money, when you decide what you're going to do with your time, when you decide what you're going to do with your career, when you decide how you're going to interact with your church, when you decide, on and on and on and on it goes. And I've already got way too much stuff in my life that's going to burn up and be gone. And I need to let this motivate me, and you need to let it motivate you to live differently today because nothing will matter more to you at that time than the fact that you have honored the Lord with your life. And John talks about this, looking forward to the Lord's return and and the judgment seat of Christ and all this stuff, what it's gonna mean. In 1 John 3, he says, we know that when he is revealed, so we see him, right? We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him does what? What's it say? Purifies himself just as He is pure, and so when we remember that this is coming, it can motivate us to purify, to remove the wood, to remove the hay, to remove the straw as much as we can, right? And so we have gold, silver, and precious stones, things that we believe that were right that motivated us in our hearts to do what was right, and, and then we did the right thing. And by the way, I would say to you that uh, I believe that there will be times and places where maybe we didn't, we, we kind of mistaken about what we believed, and, But our heart, we wanted to please God. And maybe we didn't believe it, so we didn't quite do it right. But I think the biggest judgment comes on our hearts. Right? You really, your heart was right. I could see Jesus saying, listen, yeah, you know what, you were off on this, and and you ended up not really getting it right there. But let me tell you, he says, your heart was right with me. I, I believe that's the way the Lord will do these things. But the problem is, my heart isn't always right with him. Is yours? And so we wanna work on this. We really wanna be prepared for this, okay? So we, uh, all of this time that we're experiencing, millions and millions and millions of people going through this judgment, by the way, Jesus doesn't have a problem with time in heaven. Okay, It, it works out, I don't know how it all works. And I don't think, you know, we're gonna be sitting around going like this, waiting for our turn. I think somehow or rather we're going to be engaged with this process and what's going on in people's lives and, and how God used people too. It's just going to be what? Wow. Okay? All right, so let's um, go to Revelation 19 now. It's page 1422. And we're not going to look nearly at all of this, but just a little bit. So at the end of this time... When the judgment seat of Christ is over, while all this stuff is going on down on the earth, we've had the throne room worship with God, we have had the judgment seat of Christ, and Revelation 19, verse seven says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come, okay? So there's gonna be this feast, this celebration in heaven after all of this. And then at this point, when this is done, it is time for Jesus to return to the earth. This is what the Bible calls the second coming. He came the first time when we celebrate at Christmas, and he's gonna come again, literally to the earth. And so verses 11 through 16, he talks about that. Look in verse 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. Verse 13, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Jesus is the Word, isn't he? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word. Verse 14 Here we are. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him. When he returns to earth, we return to earth with him. Okay? Now, once he returns to earth and settles everything finally there, he sets up his kingdom on earth. In verse number 4. Uh, Just look at the very last phrase or sentence in verse four of chapter 20. He says, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And the last phrase of verse six, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. This kingdom that he is going to set up on earth, a literal kingdom. In other words, has earth been run according to God's principles since creation? No, sin came into the world corrupted it, and all the problems that have come from him, and all the rebellion that's gone on. Jesus coming back, he's gonna establish the earth, He's going to restrain sin in creation, and he's going to run creation the way it was intended to be. And Isaiah talks about this, uh, Isaiah chapter 11, I believe it is, and it says that the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. You can't do this today, can you? No, all right, let's continue. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw, not people. <laughs> eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den, safe, continue. They shall not hurt nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a great blessing, huh? That creation is going to be running the way God intended for it to run, and and we'll be working and serving Him and experiencing all of this in heaven with Him. Then we get to chapters 21 and 22, and these are the things that we typically think about when we think about heaven. So in chapter 21, you want to follow along with me? He says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So at the end of this thousand years, uh, God is going to recreate all things, make them new. Verse 4 And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Talking about us. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. than he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new have you seen enough suffering in your life you and the lives of others you felt enough pain shed enough tears it's all going away it's all going away And then John describes all the stuff that he sees, all the colors, all the majesty, all the glory. Verse 21, something that we typically gravitate to for some reason, the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. That's big, but this is it. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Streets of gold, that's one of the ways heavens is described, isn't it? Over in chapter 22, verse 3, and there shall be no more curse, Curse of sin, gone. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. We will see the Lord. That's what we talked about earlier. It'll be clear, it'll be evident. And the Lord says, "Will give us light. And, and so all of these things, and man, there's so many things we obviously didn't cover. But all this stuff that's coming, with this, that's next, that, um, all the wow stuff, all the changes, We get down to verse 20 of chapter 22. It says, he who testifies these things, and this is Jesus' testimony. He who testifies these things says, surely I am coming quickly. That may not be soon, but once he comes, all of this is happening. Exactly the way he said, I'm coming quickly. And then John's response, and hopefully our response, amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. You don't have to answer this out loud, but are you looking forward to the Lord's return? Would it be okay with you if he gets us before we leave here today? Is it okay with you if he waits a thousand years? Yeah. Because if I live long enough, (laughs) this body's still mortal, (laughs) right? If I live on this body is going to go, Jesus is going to come for me. He'll come for you if you've received him as Savior. And we will still experience all of these things someday with him. And so this is what's happening next. This is what's happening next. So what should we do? Then we should refocus our hearts, shouldn't we? We're headed for the judgment seat of Christ. Let's refocus our hearts. Maybe we should make this a part of our, you know, a new thing every day as we talk to the Lord. It's like, hey, Lord, I'm looking forward to your coming. Would you remind me, Lord, when I forget about that? And then let's do what Paul said. Titus and in First Thessalonians, look forward with hope to that wonderful day and comfort one another with these words. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have revealed to us what's next. I pray, Father, that you would, as we've taken this in, and that maybe we need to study it some more, maybe we need to read it some more, we certainly need to meditate on it more. And I pray, Father, that we would let it motivate us, this awesome thing that you're going to do. And and the fact that we're going to stand before your son and and look at our lives, I pray, Father, you'd stir our hearts about that and motivate us today to think gold, silver, precious stone. And that we'd get about the business that you've given us to do, Father, knowing that our time is short. We'd be faithful to you to, to surrender to you and grow to be like you and to tell others about you. Don't let us leave here the same as we were when we came in, Father. And I know we have to respond to you to do that, so I pray. I personally pray, Father, I surrender to you again here now. And I pray that we will all do the same. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, before I say goodbye to you, let me just say to you that this, you may be hearing this all today and it's kind of new to you and you aren't sure what's the, you're talking about receiving Jesus, talking about, you know, placing your faith in Jesus' Savior. If you have a question about that, we'd love to talk to you about it. Very, you know, we'll just sit and open the Bible and have a conversation about it. And you can do that either by talking directly to me or Pastor Dave or someone here, say, hey, I'd like to know about this. Or, uh, you know, send us an email. We'll get together with you. Something, all right? We'd love to help you with that. All right. God bless you. Go have a great week. He might come. We may, next place we may see each other is with the Lord.